Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie and with me as always is... Hey everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. Sorry that we were gone last week, um, but we celebrated our 15 year wedding anniversary and we played board games because that's who we are and that's what we do. And we ate a lot of food. We did. Uh, Jason had never been to a Brazilian steakhouse. And I had gone once in my life. And it was – it's like for me, food is not just about like, oh, let's find something that tastes really good, which I, yes, but it's also about having a dining experience. And I thought, oh, man, Jason's got to try this dining experience. So we did. He got to try a Brazilian steakhouse. And we just like rolled right out of there. Oh, my gosh. Ridiculous. I mean, it's everything I've ever wanted. I don't have to talk to anybody. I flip the thing to green if I want meat. They bring me meat to my seat. They cut meat off of a stick. I take the meat. I eat the meat. That's <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, there's nothing better than that. Uh, it was fun. Um, they have really great salad also. <laughs> yeah, but I had to get up for that. They should have brought that out to me too. Well, heaven forbid. This is America. I shouldn't have to walk for things. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we also had a good time. We checked out some board game stores that are like maybe just an hour away from our house. So not places we frequent all that much. And I went to a board game store and we're sitting there looking through a shelf. And I'm like, oh, there's a kitty. There's just a cat wandering around the board game store, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. Didn't even care that there were people in there. So clearly it's used to it. Yeah. Cat did not care. But we did make some new acquisitions, which you may hear about later. Um, but thank you. A lot of people were still listening to us, even though we didn't record a new episode. So thank you so much. Um, those of you that are like up with the current episodes and listen as they come out. Thank you um, for hanging in there and your patience. And we are glad to be back recording another episode this week. So let's get started with some interesting news, crowdfunding. A couple of these only have a few days left because... There were holdovers from last week. There's a few that I missed that as of recording just have a few hours left. Um, so I'm not going to mention them, but I hope you checked out Kickstarter in my absence. So the first game I want to talk about caused some confusion with Jason. He's like, is it about pigs? Is it about a Shakespeare play? I'm like, no, it's about neither. It's about a village. And that game is called Hamlet. For those of you that don't know, a Hamlet is a village. It's also in this game, especially defined as a village that's it's like so small that there isn't an established church there. So you have to go somewhere else. And that before you get started, are there pigs? There are no pigs that I can see, but there are donkey meeples. No, I want pigs. Lame. Get over it. Okay, so in Hamlet, you are actually trying to move your Hamlet from Hamlet to like proper city by working um, to expand it and eventually uh, build a church there. Now, I got to be honest, a lot of what I love about this is the most adorable components ever. You've got these really cute villager meeples. You've got little donkey meeples. They call them donkeeples. Oh, yeah. Um, if you order from the Kickstarter version, there's metal coins that come with it and you like build a 3D church in your hamlet, which I think is super cool. So in this game, like you are placing tiles to build your Hamlet and the tiles don't really have to fit together like completely, which I love about this. And they're all different kinds of shapes. And that's OK, because all you're doing is making sure that there's like road connections because you're going to have to move your meeples and your donkeyples um, through the town because you through the town, through the Hamlet. Um, because you're getting shops, you're like getting resources and you have to be able to deliver those resources from like your quarry to some of your other places. You're going to have to clear a space to, um, make like the foundation to eventually build your church on. And that's how you win the game. Um, so these little odd shaped tiles, it does not matter that if they don't fit to the exactly, which is great for someone like me who has spatial relation problems. <laughs> um, it I, it just looks really fun. The components look awesome. Like, okay, we got to get something from to the tavern. And like, there's all these little symbols that tell you what you get from these tiles. 
they're all regular shaped. And so you just kind of place them organically to create these paths that the villagers can use to access buildings, um, moving those building materials to places where you need them. So then it's always changing. Um, like if you need some kind of new thing, you're like, oh, I'm just going to create this other building that we now need in our hamlet as it is emerging and growing. It's so cute. Um, this is actually by the creator of Petrichor, David Cheerkop. 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 That game seems cool. The one about clicking raindrops. That's cool. Okay. Well, I'm just saying, if you like that and the design of it, he also did Hamlet, the village building game. So if you're interested in building villages, in irregular shaped tiles, in donkeyples, check out <laughs> Hamlet. Um, there's only four days left on the Kickstarter by the time this episode drops. So definitely check it out. For all of the really cool um, bits and stuff, I think the price, which is 61 bucks, is not not a bad deal. Yeah, it sounds cool. Um, I don't know. I just... 61 bucks, though, does, it seems like a lot to me, but I'm just a cheapskate. Donkey bulls. Yeah, I, I heard you say it a couple times. That doesn't make me change my mind. There's also solo mode, by the way, which Nick Shaw and David Terzi put together. So, Oh, I'm, I'm sure Terzi is involved. So they have that. I mean, illustrated people meeples, villagers, 3D cardboard church. Anyway. Cool. So that's Hamlet. The next one is a theme that is near and dear to my heart. And it, while it's not an Asian theme, it is my other love, which is books. Um, so this game is Library Labyrinth. This is by Descent Games. This one, um, it's essentially a dungeon crawl game, but it has a literary theme, so I'm totally in. So this game, there are tiles. I believe there are 18 tiles that you play with in the dungeon itself. They are dark you start on one tile. This is a cooperative game. There's also a solo mode, I do believe as well. Yes, one to five players. In order to win, you have to go through this library that these literary terrors have escaped. You know, if I've seen it once, I've seen it a hundred times. The tornado from the Wizard of Oz is out. Um, I mean, all sorts of other disasters from literature, creeping out, big bad wolf, the Minotaur, whatever. You have to go in to the library capture these terrors and shelve them again uh so the library tiles they're dark you flip them over um to get a lit pathway this is where you'll encounter those baddies you're gonna you can flip tiles around then to find to get, make pathways through the shelves there are some tiles that give you treasures that'll help you out there are then the tiles you have to find that actually contain the six shelves where you have to shelve six terrors in order to win in order to help you you are then calling on literary heroines these are all all women that you're working with i do believe to come and help you capture these things they're found in different categories like children's fiction classic fiction legends historical leaders science I think there's like 60 women's characters. So they're either historical, an actual historical figure or they're a fictional character from a work. So you could have Joe March from Little Women, Marie Curie, um, Athena, like just Harriet Tubman, Lord Riding Hood. All these women that have their different, I don't, they're not necessarily powers because I think it's a combination of um, these like characteristics that relate to icons on their card that you then are going to use to help capture these tears. I love that idea. Um, I don't necessarily love dungeon crawls, but ooh, this theme. Oh, it's a grid of 25 tiles. I can read. <laughs> but it says it's it's pretty quick. So it's, it's cooperative. It's set in this cursed library. Two to five players, they say 30 to 45 minutes. There's also a solo mode, which is about 30 minutes. For me, to get into this theme, Dungeon Crawl, yeah, I like it. So if that interests you at all, like it does me, check out Library Labyrinth. There's six days left on that Kickstarter as of when this drops, 3-25-2022, Friday. And the base game, 39 bucks. Yeah, not my jam, but it is an interesting take on a Dungeon Crawl for sure. That's, that's fun. Well, we'll go from one of my favorite themes 
to Jason's clear favorite theme. And this last game I want to talk about is called The Last Gig. And it's about a band. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, let me guess. It's about a rock band playing their last gig. Not just a rock band. It's actually more of a punk band, like an 80s punk band. Yeah, yeah. That's what the artwork looks like. Yeah. So now this game, at first glance, is like super simple. You roll dice and you get on your band's van and you go around to complete your tour. So at, at its heart, roll and move. There's a spinner also. The components, though, are so cool. So, like, the currency is guitar picks of different colors. Um, you also each have a board that is your band van with your band mates. You are getting upgrades to your van, maybe to make it move around faster. Um, you are going to festivals, getting cards there. You um, are upgrading your van so that you have more room to carry more merch and stuff, better weapons. Um, you're attending different venues that will do things. Um it is just like the ultimate, like, um, I don't want to say inside joke of bandness, but it absolutely has all these great nods to like rock and roll. Like, you also choose, like, if you're a vegetarian or like a vegan or like, or just like a meat eater, because then you like happen to get food and you get what you can get. So it helps you more. Like, if you're like, oh, my. Band leader is a vegetarian. Crap, we we just got a burger place. It's not going to help me that much. There's also yeah, it's neg it's negative points <laughs> if you get food you don't like, which is pretty funny. Um, you have like a it looks like a guitar pedal, and I don't know what you put in there. Yeah, I was trying to figure that out too, but it looks like a guitar pedal and has like a gain boost like knob that is some kind of like I don't know if you put anything in it, but it def it keeps track of how far you can do something i think yeah it looks like you can like boost some actions on it which again another just really cool ridiculous component in this game um i'm not saying that it's probably anything groundbreaking in mechanics but it's hilarious like one of the things you have to encounter is a fart in the van which makes everybody <laughs> like mad and uh, it's so funny. This is of all the games that have ever hit Kickstarter. This is like my favorite one ever. I think. Um. So, if you are interested in music like Jason's, and there really aren't that many like rock bands, traveling touring bands, like kind of games, um, check this out. They say it's like also you know pretty fun to play with the family because it is really casual as far as gameplay itself goes. But you are like choosing like how do I get you know, my van to ha be able to carry all my stuff and my merch and all this stuff. And just funny. So check out the last gig. There's 11 days left on that Kickstarter. Base game is 50 bucks. Yeah, I'm not even going to talk bad about this one. If this was 60 bucks, it'd be, wor it'd be worth backing because the theme is incredible. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all I have for Kickstarter news and crowdfunding this week. All right, so let's talk about some games that we played. We did play a lot of games when we were on our anniversary getaway, but we're also going to talk about one that we didn't play there, and then we played with some friends. Well, a couple of these we played there and with some friends, but enough of that. Let's just talk. <laughs> um, so the first game we're going to talk about is a trick-taking game. It's a Restoration Games reprint of, the, of a game called Dragon Master or Coup d'Etat, and this game is called Indulgence. And effectively... This is a, a pretty straightforward trick-taking game at its heart. There's no special cards. It's just four suits, one through nine. That's that's all the cards. Where this game shines, though, is in the center of the table, you're going to have three edicts, which are like rules that you're trying not to break. And each round, the dealer is going to be what's called the ruler. And the ruler is going to pick one of those three edicts. Or if you're playing the advanced version, once per game, you can pick all three, but we won't go into that. You're going to pick a single edict. And then starting with the player to the ruler's left, they're going to decide if they want to pass on that edict or if they want to be the sin, the sinner, and do the opposite of what the edict is. So if the edict is don't take any red cards, if you're the sinner, you're going to take all the red cards. If you if you succeed in sinning, uh, everybody pays you some money. If you fail in the sin, you give the ruler some money. And if you don't sin, if it gets all the way around to the ruler and everybody's passed, you do the regular edict. And for every rule that you break on that card, so if I, for every red card I would take, I would have to pay the ruler some kind of money based on whatever's on the card. The point of the game is you're trying to end the game with the most money uh, or have everybody be ruler three times, and then whoever has the most money is the winner. 
that's effectively it. But for being such a straightforward trick-taking game, those edicts make it really thinky. And um, when someone's sinning, it's basically one versus three, and you're all trying to stop that person from sinning, so they pay you some money, which is pretty cool. So um, I dig this game. It's fun. I like trick-taking, so that should be no surprise. So what do you think of Indulgence? I really like this game so much, in fact, that I am I have been actually in the process of writing um, another blog about, I don't know if it's blog, review, I don't know, article, something about trick-taking games, and I featured Indulgence because I, again, have loved trick-taking games my whole life. It was one of the first types of games I learned to play was card games, and I live in Ohio, and so we all play Euchre. Uh, And once you have that basic concept down, trick-taking is super easy and something that you can play and talk with friends. And this does, like, this really next great job of, like, ooh, you know, can I make sure I don't take any twos and threes? Or one of the edicts was um, not to take pairs, so the same number of these two certain families, because it's all, like, the suits are Italian families. And you're like, ooh, well, you can follow an edict fairly well and say, okay, I'm gonna avoid that. But where you really get money is when you sin. And it's almost in some ways like Euchre and Bid Euchre, especially like shooting the moon or going alone and trying to accomplish the opposite of the goal. And that's exciting. And then the other players then turn on you and are like, okay, how can we stop that from happening? Because they're going to get stuff from all of us if we don't. Whereas if we're just playing by the rules, following what the ruler set, you know, you're just trying to avoid punishment and just paying a little bit to the ruler. But the rewards are so much bigger for sinning um, and having like the right cards come out that match with your hand. And can I work it anyway? And how is this going to what do I need to hold back even as a as another player who's not sinning but trying to stop someone like, oh, how do I keep them from getting the last card of this suit? Like, what does that look like when there's no actual Trump suit in this game either? Um and there's a but ring. What about the ring? Yeah, the ring. <laughs> there's a ring. It's actually a really cool ring. So if you decide to send, you get to use this like this ring, like as you called the indulgence. That's where the name comes from. Yeah, like your papal favor or whatever. Um, it's a nice ring. Like it's actually a great bit, and I like to wear it <laughs> when I can. It really is. Kiss the ring. Just likes to be a jerk and like be like kiss the ring <laughs> until I stop him from sinning and he has to pay a bunch, and then I'm like, you kiss the ring now, fool. That's true. That was not fun. That was awesome. Uh, so, it, yeah, it's just a really fun game, like kind of an interesting theme, but I love trick-taking. I love card games. Indulgence, very, very good. Yeah, if, if you're into trick-taking and you can find this one, it's probably pretty cheap because it's a small box. I don't I have no idea. I got it in a trade. I would say at least try to play it once because it's, it's really fun. Um. Yeah, and since I'm on spring break this week, I'm going to finish that review, so... I kind of go in depth on the rules and all of that stuff and a couple other cool trick-taking games that'll be on our web- website, wargamemechanics.com, right? No, BG Mechanics. B- BG Mechanics. BG Mechanics.com, um, hopefully within a, less than a week. Um, you can buy, there's no copies on Amazon. There's none on the geek market. There's a couple of listings on eBay, so good luck. Yeah, I'm not even sure if they're still printing it anymore, which is sad because it's really good. Yeah, well, because it came from Restoration Games, so. So um, the next game we're going to talk about is a game that we got on our anniversary, and we played on our anniversary, and I played it a couple times solo after that. And the game is called Walking in Burano, or Burano, I'm not actually sure how you say that word. Um, And this is a small box game from AEG and Emperor S4, so like the size of Hana Makoji, that, that small, you know, that size of box. And effectively what you're doing in this is you are, I read through the theme in the book before I did my review. <laughs> Good job. And you are repainting houses in Burano to attract people to stay in them or visit and look at them. I told you that theme when we started playing it. Oh, I forgot because I Didn't care. really don't care about theme and I block it out. Yeah. And the way the game works is um, you're trying to build a tableau of five different kinds of houses in front of you and you want to build a first floor, a second floor, and a third floor of all these houses. And then you're going to score points based on some kind of inhabitant or tourist that you put in the house. Now, the trick here is you can't build the same color house next to each other. And each house has to be made of three of the same pieces, the same color. 
unless you spend like this regulatory token and you can break a rule, but you're giving up three points. And the way you play the game is there's going to be a, um, a, some columns, depending on the number of players, of a first floor, second floor, third floor card that you can draft. If you take a one card, you have to take from the top or the bottom, and you can take two coins. If you take two cards, either from the top and the middle, bottom and the middle, and you can get a coin as well. Or you can take all three cards from a column, and then you're able to build them. And after you take some cards, you can build it. To build the first card, cost a coin, second or two coins. The second one is one coin. The third one is one coin, or maybe backwards. It's five, four coins total, f- five coins total if you want to play three cards. And um, then once you complete a building, you're going to get a draft one of these inhabitants, which are going to score for like all the buildings that you built, or you're going to take a tourist, which is going to score directly for the building that's above the tourist, like different elements like flowers, plants, uh, cats, and I think um, like uh, uh, something with stripes on it, some kind of window covering with stripes on it. Awnings, yes, I couldn't think of the word. Thank you. And that's it. You're going to play until someone has built all five buildings in an actual game with people and a solo game is a different but when you're playing with actual people whoever builds five buildings you're going to finish the round and you're going to score and you're going to score for all your inhabitants and tourists uh you're going to score any regulatory bonuses you have left you're going to score for any like business that you've managed to get in the first floor there's like a pizza place and a clothing store all that kind of thing and then whoever has most points is the winner and that's effectively it so for this being a little tiny box game one that i didn't really want to get but katie wanted it uh it's a really good game it's a nice thinky little puzzle uh, plays in 30 minutes, but it feels like you played a, a full game, which I enjoy. So I know you like this more than me, so you can go ahead and talk about Walking in Grano. This is yet another game where I we've been looking at a game store. And this is the, the thing about us in game stores. We'll walk through and we'll be like, oh, there's that game. It's like games that we already own. I don't know why we point out games we already own. It irritates me because I'm like, we don't want that. Then Jason will be like, ooh, this game. And he'll be like, say oh i've been wanting this game and talk about it and then he'll set it down and walk away and i'm like wait are we not what so instead i basically just ignore him for a while and i look around and i love little box games um because for two reasons one i love the idea of putting something complex and interesting in short easy to teach take up small space, like that requires real intelligence, cleverness on the part of the designer. Secondly, I know I could probably get Jason to buy it because he's a cheapo. So I don't even look at large games because I know he'll never agree to buy them. <laughs> look at the little ones. And there have been several times where I'm like, ooh, this game looks really good. And he's like, uh, I don't know anything about that. I'm like, well, I read the back. It talks about the basic mechanics. It sounds really good. It looks good because, of course, I'm drawing the cute art. I'm like, oh, and it's only like 20 bucks, 25 bucks. So I convinced him to buy it. And then he's like, oh, this is a really good game. That is what Rocking in Burano is. A really good game <laughs> in a little box. I it's it's It definitely has a mechanic that I love. And I don't know what you call that, what they call the mechanic. Because it's like tableau building in some ways. But you're building your tableau to hit these scoring goals and you're like really trying to make the most of them so yes i'm trying to obey the placing and the drafting rules for the colors of the houses um and the different stories of them sure but i'm also like oh well if i can get a house that has a bunch of plants on all three stories and then you know place the inhabitant that gives me points for as many plants as I have, that's going to really give me an awesome score. And just trying to like kind of then, okay, well, I've got these tourists that are going to give me points, but then for my overall kind of little street that I'm working on, my three by five grid, these inhabitants, like how can I maximize their points? Like I, I just, and once you lay down a building you cannot take that back and just like again super simple gameplay but really great choices um like decisions are tough they're important money is always tight i love that in a game and it's pretty and it's simple quick easy to play it be like okay even if you didn't quite get it the first gameplay after you play through it once you're like oh totally get it let's throw it down again easy to do um yet challenging like i really like this game now you need to play burano the big one yeah that's one of those games that we have that you won't play with me that's true it's also from emperor s4 so that's interesting it's on the board of eligibility it is that needs updated real bad 
All right, so the last game we're going to talk about is another game that we picked up, and this is a big box game, and this is one that I've been wanting for a while. I don't know. I don't even know why. I like racing games. I like stupid themes, and the artwork on this one is really adorable, and this is called Unicorn Fever, and this is a re-implementation of Horse Fever, which I don't know if anybody's ever played that. It's a horse betting game, and that's what this game is. You're betting on magical unicorns on which one you think are going to win and get second and third. And you're also going to be playing some magic cards on these unicorns to try to hinder their uh, performance or boost their performance. You're going to get help from these magical creatures in the form of contracts that are going to let you break some rules. Um, And you're basically trying to just score the most glory, not money, most glory at the end of the game to be the winner. Uh, You're going to have to take out loans at some point. Maybe someone will make you do it. Or you just run out of money. You have to take some loans out with the the leprechauns because they have all the money. Um, and yeah, that, that's the theme. Uh, it, it feels similar. The racing part kind of feels similar to, I don't know, camel up a bit, but this is way more convoluted than camel up may go about one round too long. It felt a little long to me. I think if it was three rounds, it'd feel a little better. And I kind of wish there was more emphasis on the racing than all the other stuff, but that's just not the way the game works. I guess I don't hate it. It's not my favorite racing game that we have for sure, but Probably if I'm going to play a racing game, I'm going to bust out home stretch or camel up every time unless somebody's really into unicorns and I can come up with some kind of kids theme or kids version that I can play with the youngest one. We can see. But yeah, unicorn fever. What do you think about this one? Compared to my little box game, this is a big disappointment in my opinion. Um, I remember like I think Joel backed on Kickstarter. It was like a big buzz because you could get like this giant unicorn meeple or something or mini. The Kickstarter came with like big pre-painted unicorns so they're like three times the size of ours and they're pre-painted yeah which okay that would be cool and then i would just put the miniatures up and never play this game i do not like this game it is boring um you don't get enough turns to really develop a strategy so then if that's the case then you should focus on racing which you don't do very often either um i i just i i don't think it's well designed i think there are some serious flaws I understand the idea of like, oh, let's play potions then to kind of rig the race. Yes, absolutely. Um, then you should have multiple spots or ways to do that. Or on every turn, you can take so many based on, you know, turn order or whatever. Um, yes, you're going to need money in order to make bets, obviously. Okay, well, then you need to, there needs to be like an income phase or whatever. So everyone gets some kind of money. Maybe you get more money based on your previous wins, or you can play cards that allow you to get patrons, whatever. I would redesign this game myself, house rule it to make it actually fun. As it stands, it's a gimmick. I'm sorry. I don't ever want to play this again. Um, we played it at two, just two rounds, and I was struggling to get through it. We played. It, I thought, okay, let's play it with more people. Played it with four people. I was like, this is not going well. I was ready to bail out. Like, it just, I, you can't, I don't, and once you play the cards, like when the race is actually happening, you can't really affect the race. So it's basically a done deal, um, which in some ways is okay. But since you play so many movement cards in one race, you should be able maybe to play magic cards in between the rounds as you're trying to like work for your unicorns to make them win and your bets pay out. I, I, and you don't even really care about money because you're actually trying to get like glory or whatever. Yeah. You only need money really to make bets on the, the unicorns and to trade them for glory at the end. That's really it. But the trade in value is like 20 to one. So it's not, like, like, I mean, you could hoard all your money then to try and, like, buy some glory at the end, but you're not going to be able to get that much. Like, it's just, it's a no for me. It, it, And I don't know if it's because it was, like, so anticipated by, by you and other people, like, made it a big deal. But when we played it, I was like, wah, wah, wah. That's how I felt about it. Yeah, and I think, I honestly, I think there's some good stuff in there. I just think there's too much stuff in there. Like either you're going to focus on, like Camel Up does it perfectly and there's no game. I don't think there's any game that does it better than Camel Up with the difference, like the actions you can take mixed in with the racing. That's kind of what I thought this was going to do and it didn't do that, which is kind of a bummer. Um, I don't hate it, but I did put it up for trade. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. Playing it once was enough. I'm sad that we spent money on it, which I usually don't care, but I do care because this, this, this disappointed me. I feel personally betrayed by Unicorn Fever. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was only like $5 more than uh, one of the small games we bought, but still, it was a little bit. It is a, it's more disappointing than I was hoping it was going to be because it looks awesome. The board looks cool. The bits are cool. But yeah, just a little bit of a letdown. Um, so those are three of the games we played. Let's just keep it moving. So we've kind of been focusing on different game publishers who we actually own many games from. Maybe we need to talk about Empress 4 or something. That's true. We do actually have a lot of their games. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that. Um, but it's because I love small box games and they seem to have those. Um, but today we want to focus on Days of Wonder. Uh, we have loved their games for a long time. They make a lot of great entry-level games into the world of gaming, so they form kind of the foundation of our collection. And traditionally, fantastic production. So we went through the games that we have that are Days of Wonder games. We have come up with 11 we have ranked those 11. I would consider them the top 11 Days of Wonder games because we don't own the other ones because they're not as good as these, I guess. Well, this is most of them, actually. Like, they don't have a ton of games, really. Hmm. So I think there's like four that we haven't played or on this list. They only have like 15 to 16 games or something like Interesting. that. Interesting. So 11, pretty good. So we're going to count down from 11 to 1. Jason did his weird ranking voodoo um, because <laughs> after we curated a list of the games that we have. So let's tell you our favorite Days of Wonder games, and we'll start with number 11. All right. So before we get into 11, there is one disclaimer. Uh, we do have Queen's Necklace, which was a Days of Wonder game at some point, but the version we have is Simon, So that one was not included on this list. And we're trying so, to, to be above board here on the board game mechanics. As above board as we can get, yes. That's right. When you think board, board game mechanics, you think above board and legit. That's what you want. That's what you think. Right. There is a standard of excellence here. <laughs> We try to maintain that pretty okayness in all areas. Best of the worst. <laughs> Best of the worst. Uh, all right. So number 11 is a game that I made a trade for because I played it once with uh, our old pastor of our church. And I thought, you know, this is pretty good. He did the rules terribly. And I thought maybe if I read the rules, you know, it'll actually be a little bit more fun. And it has great production. And I like Days of Wonder games. And that game is called Pirate's Cove. So this is our least favorite one. And this is a basically a simultaneous action selection where you're taking on the role of a pirate and you're trying to move your pirate around to these different like islands. There's five different islands, six different islands, something like that. And if you're the only one that goes there, sweet, you get to take the action done, fix your ship, get some gold, get some treasure, whatever. But if multiple people go there, you're going to have to fight and you're going to do some convoluted uh, shooting cannonballs at each other, rolling some dice until someone, you know, turns chicken and runs off to pirate's cove so they can fix up their boat. And then the last person left gets to activate the island. And you're basically trying to bury treasure, um, earn gold, get points before, I think, like six or seven rounds or something, before all the cards run out on each island. And then whoever has the most points is the winner. Um, that's effectively it. There's also a, a dummy pirate ship that's out there randomly doing stuff that if you go to their island, they'll smack you around and you'll never win. Um, but yeah, that's it. Kind of simple, kind of takes too long, but it's fine. That's why it's number 11. So Pirates Cove. Yeah, I don't remember this game really hardly at all. So that's probably why it's number 11, because it did not make an impression on me. Even though I like pirates. Uh, although it doesn't surprise me. I don't, Jason's continually amazed by the fact that I can play games and then never remember them again. Yeah, give it like two weeks and she won't remember walking in Burano either. Yes, I will. You know why I remember that? <laughs> because I chose it. <laughs> I have skid in that fight. Pirates Cove, I remember nothing about it. And if I remember nothing about it, that means it probably wasn't that good enough to stick with me and impress me. Uh, number 10 is kind of the beginning of a series of games that are very familiar, much beloved. Um, definitely, I would say, our second purchase in our game collection after Catan, if I remember. Probably right. true. Yeah, it's either this or Sheriff of Nottingham, one of those two. Mm, no, it took you me a while to get you to that one. Uh Number 10 is Ticket to Ride. So we consider grouping all the tickets to ride together. However, we honestly don't have that many versions. And each version that we do have is different and therefore ranked. So number 10 is just straight up Ticket to Ride. This is the North America version. You are building train routes across America. Uh, this one is helpful for a lot of people because at least people we play with because they actually sort of understand the geography of the United States. There will be a game later 
that some people on this podcast have trouble playing because they don't know where anything is in any other country but America. Also, he doesn't really know where <laughs> states are in America either, so that doesn't that work was out really, that, that was really pointed and mean. <laughs> I never said your name. I never said in your name. Your, in car, in place games that have places, I can look on the card that they give me and find it on the map, so I can pretend like I know where I it is. I know this, but when we have played the other game that we will get to, you have been like, I don't know where this is. You also aren't that great American geography either, but Ticket to Ride if you have, I know where Ohio is, and that's all that matters. A general idea of where states are, yes. Um, playing colored train cars, laying your tracks out, um, getting points for having your connected routes. Simple, fun, um, great entry level game, and still fun to play now. Like honestly, um, but this was our first one. It has these tiny little cards to play with, um, which have maybe remedied later. Um, but yes, that's why it's a little bit lower. Tiny cards, um, not any additional mechanics to just laying the tracks. So number 10, Ticket to Ride, North America. So number nine is another Ticket to Ride. And this is one of the small box ones. They did a whole bunch of, I don't know how many, like three or four of the smaller box ones. And this is London. Uh, there's also New York and uh, Amsterdam or something. And in London, it plays like Ticket to Ride. But instead of trains, you have double-decker buses which is cool they're so cute and the cards are all like uh there's like a hippie van and like a taxi a whole bunch of different cool cool cards that just represent the colors but this one changes in a couple ways all the routes like the longest routes like four and then um it's way shorter and in this one you're trying to connect different numbers to each other in a continuous route. So there's numbers one through five. And if you can com complete a continuous route cr around all the ones, you're going to score some extra points. Same with two, three, four, and five. So it's got a little bit of a more uh, a gamery piece to it about trying to make sure you're, you're not just doing your own routes, but also doing the routes that are built into the board. But other than that, it's ticket to ride with smaller board and less trains to put down. So number nine, London. And double-decker buses. And the, the cards um, for like train cars, they're like, different types of cars which i think look cool also right yeah yeah number eight is our last ticket to ride that we have this is ticket to ride europe um this was our second ticket to ride game that we purchased not too long after north america because we're like man this game's fun what would be more fun more of the same game but europe is not one thing they did with this one's better yes europe obviously is better it's number eight on our list um europe has full-size cards that not full-size but actual cards you can hold in your hand and like not the little tiny ones from the North America one um and London in <laughs> London uh, so actually there when we would play either we would play the other versions of ticket to ride we'd pull the cards from Europe to have the larger cards that are easier to handle um in Europe the other thing they introduce is a train station so you come equipped with i think 3 maybe train stations in your color that you can yes. use as a way to piggyback off of someone else's track section. Um, because again, like there are only so many routes and if you're really trying to complete one and someone has already laid track over the place that you need, you can pay and um, use a little train station to use their little section of track, which I think is really cool. Um, I'm all about having you know, a tight game, but it is kind of nice to have something that helps you complete your objective and not be completely blocked out and all your work is futile. I like that. I also like Europe. I happen to know where places are in Europe. <laughs> Maybe not everybody does. I don't live in Europe. I don't care about so Europe. So it takes a long time sometimes. I'm like, what? Well, I don't, where is this? I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. Spain is over here. France <laughs> is here. here. <laughs> so Davenport is no, um, <laughs> but it, it's again, more of a good thing. A great game. Um, nice that you can have the train stations. This also has the passes through the mountains that require an extra card to play because, again, it's more difficult to lay tracks through the mountains. I love that kind of thematic addition. Um, super fun game. This is, prob this is our favorite of the Ticket to Rides that we have. Number eight, Ticket to Ride Europe. We also have an expansion. Uh, Team Asia and Legendary Asia, but since it's not a full game, we didn't put it on the list. Why are you saying Team Asia and Legendary Asia? Because that's what it's called. There's a team version on the map, and then there's a regular Asia map. Oh, I just was going to say we have Ticket to Ride Asia, which is different. Yeah, it's 
two sides. All right, so number seven is a Days of Wonder game that doesn't get a ton of love, but I like it, and I probably like it more than Katie does, and that game is called Cargo Noir, and this is an auction game that feels like area control a little bit, where you're trying to bid for these different sections of the board that are going to have like goods on them, and you're trying to collect different sets of goods. You either want a bunch of different goods or you want all the same goods to turn them in for money. Cargo. To buy cards that... Cargo, yes. To turn them in to score... To buy cards that are worth points. So there's like yachts and a nice house, like a villa. You can buy some henchmen that are going to come and help you do some extra things, buy some extra boats, all that kind of thing. But that's how you're going to get points. If you don't buy cards, you're not getting points. So it's played over the course of like 12 or 13 rounds. Um, if if when it comes back to you, if it's your turn and there's no boat that has more money under it than yours, you can take your boat back, get rid of the money, and take all the goods on that section. And you're going to keep doing that until the game's over. And that's effectively it. It has really nice production, cool little boats, good art, um, and I like it. So number seven, Cargo Noir. I don't mind this. It just does have an area control feel for me, which is, you know, you have to have the most... You're outbidding people, but it can get really frustrating in this game. And it, I, I'm I, at some time, I don't mind playing it, but I would not choose it, I guess. Which I think is interesting because number six on our list is definitely all area control all the time. <laughs> is area control, but the way it does it, I I really like, and that is Small World. Small World again, an early game in our collection. Um, and it, it's just cool because you're you're picking these races, these fantasy races. So you've got Amazons, you've got lizard people, you've got rats, you've got dwarves, you've got, you know, whatever, even some humans in there. So I guess not all fantasy, but um, these characters. And then you're going to there's there's characters in kind of a market that you can pick. And then each character race also gets a power, special power traits, a traits, trait, I think. Yeah, so they can. It can be flying. It can be. Um, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Bivouac. Hill. Dragon Master. Um, just there's a lot of different random types of things. So based on the trait and the race that you get fortified, like you will get something from each of those parts that helps with the gameplay and you are going out and conquering the small world and you get points for having conquered places. But the cool thing about it is at some point you already know that you're not going to be able to hold these territories and that's perfectly fine because you just go into decline and then you take a new one and you start conquering again. And so I think that's why I don't mind this because you get different chances to try different combos that come out and like, whatever crazy way they do and um you're trying to make the most of that race plus traits power in the short time that you're going to be able to go conquering in this small world there are like a billion and one expansions for different um types and they're hilarious like we have um we have most of them there's a few that I would actually like. I actually haven't played this game in a while. And Jason said the last time he played it, it was super fun again still. And I would like to go back. We have like the pretty, pretty. No, that's Smash Up. Uh, um, you do this every time. We have like uh, a, like the Honky Lee, um, a whole bunch of different races. It's just more weird races and weird paths. Yeah, I just don't remember yeah. the names of how they're grouped. Um, do we have any extra boards? I don't. No, we only have what came in the base, which is like three maps because there's one for every player count. So there are also different kinds of maps where you can do like underwater and um, some of those as well, which we don't have. But we do have some expansions with a bunch of different races and things that we can use. And it, I just think that's really fun. And so like the variety that comes out and I don't get upset about the area control because I already know it's going to be temporary and that's okay because you're going to get somebody else. You're going to try to, you're just basically grabbing as much points as you can um, when you can. I just think that that's kind of cool. And the theme is fun. So number six, small world. Yeah, it's, it's super good. I have no issues with this. Um, number five is probably one of, the, I think this is one of the best looking ones, like as far as art and components go and map and all that. And that is Yamatai. So we haven't played this for a really long time. 
It was just sitting on the shelf. I always want to play it, but then I get distracted by something else and we never play it. But I did play through it by myself just to refresh the rules so I could talk about it here. And this is a game where you're trying to, um, you're basically building routes around these um, different islands, different hexes on the board, and they're different colored boats. There's like five different colored boats. And based on the color boat you put down, it may satisfy a requirement to build this building there. So if I put down a black boat and I need to have, that island needs to have two blacks and a brown around it, but there's already a black and a brown around it, I can build a building that needs two blacks and a brown because I put one of the attributing boats down to there. And I build a building on it, score some points. Um, Sometimes you need to, use a bunch of different boats around an island. You can build these legendary buildings, which are like Tories and temples. They're going to score you points and they're going to score points for every other building you put around it. Um, that's the crux of the game. There's also a cool like turn order drafting mechanism where you're going to take this tile and based on the value of the tile from one to 10, lower number means you're going to go first, but it's going to have a weaker power. Higher number means you're going to go last, but it's going to have the best power. And then, you know, you'll take your power, you'll do your thing, take your actions, and then you'll reset turn order based on the tile that you took and, you know, we keep doing that until one of four things happens in the game and whoever has the most points is the winner. It's it's solid. It it gets compared to Five Tribes a lot. Not like Five Tribes at all, but um, it, yeah, maybe Bruno Catalo, that's it. But yeah, this is a really great game and I would really like to play it some more. So that's number five, Yamatai. Yeah, I haven't played this in a long time, but it is so pretty and I think it's such an interesting mechanic to lay these boats out to make paths to all these different areas and then you want to make new paths to try and get some new buildings but you don't want to give those advantages to somebody else because they can use those boats as well so it's just kind of a great like push and pull i think in that game number four is probably my favorite game i think but jason doesn't like it as much as me because he doesn't like deduction as much as me i i have won this game before though so i I, i'm okay with it uh number four is mystery of the abbey so again I'm sorry that we're talking about this because this game is super out of print. So expensive, hard to find. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I have no idea how I ended up with it. I don't, we found it like right before it went out of print. Yeah, Cool Stuff had a whole bunch of them. We got it for like 30 bucks right before it went out of print. Yeah. And now it, you can't get it for less than $100 probably, which is sad because this game is so fun. It's like if, it's like when church attacks, but clue. <laughs> it's true. Yep. Um, it's like a melding of Tim Curry roles. Like him as the butler in Clue and then him also as Cardinal Richelieu in like the Three Musketeers. Like you, there is a murder in the Abbey and you're trying to find out which of the monks there did it. It's, I always say as Clue and guess who had a baby because everyone gets um, a playing card that has all these different monks and each um monk is in a different order and has like a different rank and then each monk has different physical characteristics either they wear their hood up or they wear their hood down or they are skinny or they are larger or they have a beard or they have no beard and so you're moving around the abbey and you are asking questions because everyone's got cards with monks who are not the the killer like very clue traditional however unlike clue then when you get into a room with somebody else, you can ask them a question. They're not showing you cards. You're just asking them a question about, and it can be any question. Any question, um, I was trying to think there's a limit on the questions. There are a few things. Uh, you, you, you can't say like, do you have this person in your hand? You can't right. say stuff like that. But you could talk about what they've done on their scoring board. So it could be like, how many Franciscan brothers with beards do you have? Or whatever. Um, and it's marked on your scorecard. Now, the thing about that is everyone hears it and everyone hears the response unless that person takes a vow of silence, which is so thematic and great. However, if you take a vow of silence because you're not going to give information, you also don't get information in return, which is what is kind of cool about this game is if I ask a question for someone and they give me information, they then are able to ask me a question and get information in return which I think is cool. Also, there are other places in the Abbey where you can get specialty cards that allow you to maybe take an extra turn, that allow you to kind of break the rules. They're going to kind of mix up the information that everybody knows, um, which I think is, is, is really cool. And then also there are rounds and everyone gets recalled to mass because you're at an Abbey periodically. And that requires everyone to kind of return 
and get to the same spot. And so you're kind of forced to go out again. The other interesting thing about this is you don't always have, you don't have to solve in order to get points. You can go and make different kinds of declarations in a specific place in the Abbey that if you know that the, the, the murderer has a beard or they're of a particular monastic order or, you know, their particular type of monk and you can get points for those as well. So like, I think there are a lot, it's, there's some different strategy to this than just straight up deduction, which is why it's so good. And I wish everybody could have a copy of it. And I'm so sad it's out of print. Like, I feel like this is a travesty as far as board gaming is concerned. But number four, Mystery of the Abbey. Yeah, if you like Clue, this is like a thousand times better than Clue, but still gives you the same kind of vibe. So yeah, really, really good game. All right, so the next game, man, there's a lot of Bruno Catala games on here. Uh, the next game is a Bruno Catala game, and it is called Cleopatra and the Society of Architects. Uh, now, we don't have the new shiny deluxe version. No of surprise. course we don't. <laughs> one, it's not Days of Wonder. And two, I like the way the Days of Wonder one looks. It's, it's a, lot, a lot more tan, and I like tan. We have, we've all been there. We, we've gone over that. Um, so in this game, what you're trying to do is you are trying to build up Cleopatra's palace, and you're going to be doing that in a few ways. You're going to be drafting some cards from these three columns. The interesting about, thing about the columns is some of the cards are face up, some of them are face down. So you don't always know what you're getting based on what's there. And so that's you know kind of a little push-your-luck stuff trying to get that thing. Or you're going to be using cards in your hand to build a different attribute of the temple. You may do the um, mosaic, which is like some tiles you're putting across the top. And like a polyomino thing to build some sanctuaries to get rid of some of your corruption. Um, you're building some pillars. You're building um, sphinxes, her throne room, doorways, and then some flashing or pillars around the outside of the castle. Or the temple. Not castle. Temple. And... Um, you're going to score points for doing all that stuff. You're trying to have the most points at the end of the game. But the tricky thing here is it also has a corruption mechanism where you're going to earn corruption for doing some things. Some of the good cards that you have to spend to build are going to give you corruption. So whoever has the most corruption gets eaten by Cleopatra's alligator. And that's bad. Crocodile. Cro crocodile. Yeah, alligator's America. Crocodile. And you automatically lose the game. So you could have, you know, 100 points more than everybody else, but... You're too corrupt, so you lose. Then whoever is still in the game, whoever has the most points is the winner. And there's points in the game where you can bid some money to get rid of some of your corruption. But if you don't bid enough, you gain corruption. <laughs> Corruption's crazy. But this is a really good game. It's got some cool mechanisms that I haven't seen in other games. And I'm glad we have a copy of it now. So number three, Cleopatra and the Society of Architects. Yeah, this game is pretty good. It, it is a little bit um, gimmicky in some ways. We love gimmicks. You love gimmicks, yes. <laughs> I love gimmicks. Um, but I'm, I'm terrible at this game, mostly because I refuse to give up money to bid to get rid of my corruption, and then I end up getting more corruption, which I was trying to avoid in the first place. And then I get eaten by the crocodiles, even though I have the most points, because I wouldn't spend it. And it doesn't just eat one person. Like, Katie and I both got eaten in the last game we <laughs> yeah, played. So. we died. Um, <laughs> so the, it is interesting. I think it's it's a fun game. Um, the next one is a totally different theme, this underwater theme. And at first I was thinking, I don't know if I like this. But, man, I found a way to play this game. And that is Deep Blue, our number two. Uh, the, th the reason why Deep Blue is so high is because it's two main mechanics are pressure luck which is jason's favorite and engine building which is one of my absolute favorites so that's why i love it also it has these adorable little like tugboat looking ships that you move around on the board and i just love that they're so cute so you are in these ships you're groups of divers looking for these underwater wrecks to get gems and things which is awesome. So you're moving your boats around, discovering different places, going diving. In order to really make the diving work, you're going to be getting the right crew members. Um, and there are different crew members that help you in your movement, in your dives, um, help you fight off bad things that happen on dives, but also help you multiply your treasure. And so I love that part of building like really a really great deck in order to multiply treasure. Now, to get treasure, you can have a dive, which a lot of people love to do because you get a little, little bonuses as the person diving, which is cool. However, if I'm close enough to you and you go on a dive, I can be like, yeah, I'm gonna jump in on that dive, which is great. 
And then you can, as the person that did not, that just is along for the ride on the dive, you can get out of there, get out of Dodge at any point if things start to go bad. But you also can benefit from gems and things that are pulled on someone else's dive and you don't have to use your turn to do the diving. And that is what I love. Other people love the push your luck parts. They want to go diving all the time. So they get to draw this bag. Jason. I love drawing stuff out of bag. Okay. I know. But then he gets mad when I don't want to do that, but just capitalize on his gain. Like, I don't don't, I don't understand that. It's really fun. It's a cool theme. I love that. The components are so great as we have talked about with all these days of wonder games. Super fun. Not overly difficult, but really interesting, fun game. Deep blue number two. Yeah, I... This is one of my favorites for sure. Not the best game, but I just love the push your luck aspect. All right. And our number one, we haven't mentioned it before and we haven't played Shadows Over Camelot. So it's not that one. This is Five Tribes, another Bruno Catala game. And this is effectively Mencala where you're trying to collect different color meeples to do different kinds of things to score a pile of points. And the way that you do that on your turn, you're going to pick up all the meeples from one tile on the board. You're going to drop one in like a, you know, a snake like pattern. Wherever you end, you're going to pick up all the meeples of that color, do the action of the meeple that you pick up or score some points. And if you clear off all the meeples when you pick it up, you get to put a camel down. You now own that tile for scoring purposes. Um, Each of the tiles are going to do different things. They might let you buy some cards that help you score some points and give you money at the end of the game. Money is points. It may let you buy a genie, which is going to give you a special power and score some points. It may let you... um, Put down an oasis or a palace, which is going to score extra points for that tile that you're on. You really want to claim those with your camel. And that's effectively it. You're trying to do the best that you can with the meeples that are available to get more points than your opponents. That's it. Um, It has a really nice player board, really great production, like all these days of Wonder Games. And I think, I don't know if this was your, it had to be your number one too, I think, because it's number one. Um, This is, it's just a fantastic game. It's number one, five tribes. Yes, and we played this again recently, and I was like, dude, yeah, this is so good. Uh, again, awesome components. I love the oases, the little, like, um, palaces that you can put there, uh, the artwork on the gins, and I, yes, this game is so good. I really like it. So, we have most of the Days of Wonder games, honestly, but what did we forget? Apparently, Shadows Over Camelot. Never played it. Sorry. I don't care about castle defense or whatever it is. It's cooperative. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know if it is castle defense. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't know. I, <laughs> I get it confused with another one that also has the word Camelot in, I think, or I don't know. But if we miss a Days of Wonder game and they're like, man, you've got all these Days of Wonder games, but you really need this one, let us know. Facebook, Facebook group, hashtag the riveted. Um, show us pictures on instagram tweet us about it uh comment on this video if you're um if that's how you get our podcasts um we also have videos for several of these days of wonder games out there on our youtube channel so be sure to check that out as well um or join our discord chat thingy is it a channel i don't know i yeah i don't i don't know it's i think they're called discord channels it's basically like an an instant messenger group. <laughs> so if you <laughs> yeah, just can't get enough of our annoying comments, join the discord. We're full of them there as well. Um, but it is like, if you, if you're like, Oh, I don't really get on Facebook or whatever. Um, and you want to kind of maybe even share pictures of the games you're playing or ask questions about games or you're in a game store and you're like, okay, I got to choose between these two, you know, whatever. And you just want to talk about it. That's what it's there for. So uh, go ahead and check that out as well. Talk about your favorite days of wonder games. We love to hear from you, communicate with you, have a good time. Just talking about games and, and sticking to that, making the game hobby, something that everyone can enjoy. Yeah. And one more days of wonder game that we actually do have, but it's not on the list. Coliseum, because our version is not Days of Wonder. Oh, okay. I was like, wait, but I like that game. Yeah, it's a great game. It's just not ours. We don't have the Days of Wonder version. I haven't played that. We haven't played that one. Oh, well, then it's not really a Days of Wonder game. What's out of print? Like theirs is out of print, so it came back in. Yeah, it was a Days of Wonder game. I thought we covered this at the top with Queens. Yes. Why would you bring it up? Why? Why? I don't know. It doesn't belong on this podcast. It belongs on the podcast for whatever company we have it for. Tasty Minstrel. Tasty Minstrel. 
we have some we have some TMG games. Absolutely. Maybe uh, we'll talk about we, them. We, spoilers, we Jason, spoilers. Yes. Build build intensity. <laughs> You're right. All right. Let's 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 wrap this up. Yeah. I I need some lunch and we're getting I'm getting a little crazy. Too much zany banter going on. <laughs> did you have dairy? <laughs> <laughs> I did. Did I have I was like, wait, did I? There's a throwback. I did have a lot of coffee creamer, as usual. <laughs> because you can keep your black hot bean water. I'm I love myself, and that means I need lots of creamer. Am I right, Fred? Am I right? Okay, we're done. I've <laughs> I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. I apparently I've lost my mind. <laughs> <laughs>